This is Intelligence Everywhere, where we chat with leaders across the tech world who are building the next generation of intelligence services and devices that will transform our lives at home, at work, and on the go. I'm your host, Rishi Kaitan. Today, we're talking with Vijay Ganesan, co-founder and VP product of ThoughtSpot, a startup based in Palo Alto that is truly revolutionizing the experience of business intelligence. They were founded in 2012 and have raised almost $300 million from top VCs. When Vijay first showed me a demo of ThoughtSpot, I was honestly blown away. It was really one of those moments where you see the product and it seems so obvious that it's a far superior approach. And in fact, many of the core tenets of their product, such as speed, flexibility, and exploration are not really new in the context of BI, it's just that they were amongst the first to actually put that formula together. One of the topics Vijay and I discuss a lot is this notion that the holy grail of BI may be actually flipping the model from sort of pull to push, meaning that the software will push or stream pertinent insights to you rather than forcing you, the user, to ask the right questions. Today, the conversation around assistant products focuses on the consumer scenario. I find it very exciting to think about how AI and assistants can make us smarter and faster at work as well. Without further ado, my conversation with Vijay Ganesan. Vijay, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Rishi. Um, I'm very excited to, uh, to have you on as a guest. Uh, I remember a few months ago when you gave me a demo of, Thought, of ThoughtSpot, I was absolutely fascinated uh, by the product. Um, before we jump in, I'd love to just hear uh, sort of briefly the story of how you became a co-founder of ThoughtSpot and how you spend your time today. Sure, happy to. So, um, uh, you know, uh, before ThoughtSpot, I was uh, part of Oracle. I was part of the Oracle business intelligence team. Um, and prior to that, I was with PeopleSoft, uh, part of the People Tools reporting and analytics team. And, uh, and some other stints before in the uh, data analytics um, area. And, um, you know, so I was intimately familiar with, um, you know, the, the tools in this space and, you know, the players and some of the challenges um, in, in the space of data analytics and business intelligence. And so um, when we started ThoughtSpot in 2012, um, you know, we, um, you know, we hit upon, uh, and, and I, you know, this, um, uh, this big hole that existed in this space of how of making data analytics easier and more accessible to uh, to the masses, and um, you know, I got connected with some folks who had uh, complementary uh, backgrounds in um, you know distributed systems, search, um, you know, web scale architectures, and and things like that, and and uh, that's how it all came together. Great. So ThoughtSpot has had an amazing, amazing trajectory since 2012. 
thinking back to the early days, like when did the light bulb go on for this concept of search-driven BI? I mean, did you guys sort of land on that on day one, or did it sort of take some time to develop that thesis around uh, this concept? Um, actually, surprisingly, you know, it landed on day one. You know, that was one of the first things that uh, uh, that I discussed with uh, my other co-founders. Um, and, you know, um, you know, I'd been thinking about this problem of uh, how do you make um, data analytics accessible to the masses? So in my previous companies, um, you know, there, there were always these slogans, you know, pervasive BI, BI for everyone and all that stuff. But then, the you know, if you look at the numbers, uh, they just don't add up. You know, the adoption rates in BI are like, 20, 25 percent, you know, in, in large enterprises, and it's really, really bad. Um, so, so if you, you know, we, we've been thinking about, you know, what are the ways you can make BI easily accessible and truly pervasive and self-service, and um, and then and we looked around and we said, hey, you know, for everything else in life, you know, your primary interface is search. You know, you want to book an airline ticket, uh, whether you want to buy a book, you want to buy some clothes, you want to, you know, buy whatever, right? Um, we use search every day in our lives for everything else, so why not search for, for data and for business intelligence? And so we hit upon that idea, um, you know, very, very early, right? The other idea that we hit upon very early is, um, you know, um, cost of memory had been going down quite a bit, and, um you know, uh, in 2012, it, you were at a point where you could build some very large in-memory systems with commodity hardware um, at a reasonable price that um, you know uh, that that, may, that works for for uh, enterprises. So, um, so those are two ideas that we we hit upon fairly early, um, and um, you know, then we've stuck to that. Got it. Got it. So, so don't. So. Those two concepts of one sort of a search-driven interface, which, like as you said, it's very common in in many of the products we use in our everyday life, and then on the on the second on on the other end, sort of on a feasibility perspective, the the ability to build sort of an in-memory um, take advantage of sort of building in-memory systems to enable to, to actually deliver on that experience. That's right. So if, if you think about um, a search-driven interface, um, you know, you have to have a very fast backend. You know, if you go to Google search and you type something, if it takes 30 seconds to return, you're not going to use it. So um, so the minute you say your interface is, is, is search-driven, uh, the expectation uh, of performance is very, very high. You know, people expect instantaneous responses. With every keystroke, they're expecting your charts to update, your queries to run. And historically, that's been a great challenge in BI. You know, the biggest challenge in um, traditional business intelligence systems is simply is query performance. And, uh, you know, decades of work has gone into things like uh, cubing and materialized views and aggregate tables and all these pre-computed artifacts just to solve the performance problem, right? Because at, you know, at scale, the 100 terabyte scale, laws of physics kick in, right? You know, if you're, if you're hitting disk. Um, so, um, so you have to have something very different 
if you want uh, to pull off uh, this type of uh, experience for the end user. And the only way we figured you can do that is if you do all processing in memory. And, um, and, and, and so that was sort of almost a necessity. And, and the fact that the, you know, these types of systems um, were feasible and cost effective um, made the timing perfect for us. Got it. So, so you, you call out uh, one thing that's sort of wrong about BI today, which is the query performance. What are the other reasons that you think why BI has sort of failed to deliver the, on its sort of its promise? Sure. Um, so the fundamental problem in the BI systems um, today is it's a it's a producer consumer model. You know the systems that exist today are built for the producer. This is typically a, a BIT BI administrator in a centralized team that is producing things for thousands of consumers, and um, um, and these these tools are very complex, very specialized. It needs people. Uh, with very very specialized skills in those in those tools, um, and uh, you know it takes it takes a long time to to build these things in these complex tools, um, and it's the the number of number of these producers far outnumbers the number of consumers the and and the demand for for data. So in other words, the the producers have to work with these very very complex systems. That are difficult to, um, to to work. At the same time, they have these huge backlog of uh, requests coming in from these consumers, and that's only growing, right? Massively growing. Right? Um, and compounding the problem is, you know, in the last five ten years, the amount of data people are collecting has increased tremendously. Right? People, you know, are collecting petabytes of data in data lakes and and so on, right? So, um, so that's the problem. You know, the problem is that these tools were not built for with the business user in mind. They were built with the IT administrator in mind, um, and so we've created this massive, massive bottleneck um, of these data specialists um, that come in the way uh, of these end users getting access to their data. Now, on both ends, um, like I said, the data volumes are growing. You know, on the consumer side, the the, the the need for uh, data driven decision making is only increasing uh, people are recognizing the importance of that um and so the 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 piece in the middle which is not scaling fast enough to match the the two ends growing much much faster so that's the crux of the problem right so what we said was you know one approach is you know you try to you know try to make it easier right you still target the centralized systems but you try to build systems that are uh, faster, more efficient, and you try to reduce the bottleneck that way. But we took a different approach. We said, you know, we should build things that the consumers can use directly. You know, why can't every business user be an author of their own reports? Why, why does it have to go through a centralized uh, uh, team? So we took a very, very different approach, and that's how we uh, are breaking this, uh, this bottleneck that you have in the eye. Got it. Yeah, that's one thing that uh, really I think struck me in the in the demo is how um, 
how just natural and self-service it is for the end user, right? For the consumer to actually um, do analysis and not just a you know, one-time analysis, but actually play with the data. And to your point about the sort of ever-increasing volumes of data and the complexity of the data, I think uh, you sometimes may not even know the question, the most may not know what is the question to ask or what is the best question to ask. And yeah. uh, so one, one area of, of sort of thought spot that's also I found very interesting, so even going beyond search, is the, this question of like how can AI make, uh, AI make BI better, if you will. Mm-hmm. Like what, are, what, is, um, what, is, what is your thoughts on that? Sure. Um, so, you know, uh, to your point about um, uh, questions that, uh, that you cannot anticipate all the questions that a, that a business user might have, and that's 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 spot on, right? Um, so these these uh, centralized teams that are cranking out reports and dashboards for business users, um, uh, you know, they're they're trying to anticipate all the questions that a business user might possibly have. And, and trying to stuff everything together in, in, in these reports and dashboards, but it's impossible uh, for them to anticipate and you know everything that, that somebody would ask, right? It's just not possible, right? Um, so we call it the Powerball problem, right? If you look at the uh, odds of winning a Powerball, um, you know, it's similar to, you know, the combinatorial nature of all the possible questions that somebody may have, right? You have products, you have, you know, you have a price, you have store, you have time, you have all these different dimensions and if you if you if you look at the cardinality of these things and if you look at if you multiply that i mean it's like uh, the you know odds of winning a powerball right so um so that's a, that's a real problem and that's that's what we're trying to solve which is um you know it's impossible to anticipate all these questions in advance and therefore um you cannot have any pre-canned artifacts built for many things and it's best to let people give people uh, a way to um, get answers to whatever questions they have at that moment in time. Um, but while they're inter- while that's great, and we think it's a, it's a it's a revolution in this space. Um, the speed of thought analytics, easy way to ask a question and get an answer instantaneously, um, and you know there's no penalty for asking a wrong question. You can always correct it, ask another one, uh, and it works at scale. It is secure and all that. So it's a revolution, but what about questions that uh, you had never thought about, right? Or um, there are way too many questions. I have to ask a thousand questions to get uh, get to my insights, right? So what do, what do we do about that? Right? And that's where AI and uh, machine learning comes in, where we have said, um, uh, while it's great that you, know, you can uh, ask a quick question and get an answer immediately, um, but what if the system could ask questions on your behalf um, and find interesting insights and push them to you? And that's really where we think the next wave is beyond search. Um, that's where we uh, we think the future of BI is going in the next five years. Right? It's about um, unknown questions and it's about push-based insights. Um, so today, what we have is falls in the category of uh, uh, known questions and pull, 
meaning I have a question in my mind, I go ask a question in ThoughtSpot, I get a quick answer, I'm pulling an, uh, an insight. Um, and where we're going, and, and uh, ThoughtSpot has already um, uh, started this journey with our Spot IQ offering, we're going to this, uh, you know, the other quadrant of unknown questions and push-based insights where um, the system figures out based on the knowledge that it has about the, the user, figures out the kinds of insights that may be interesting to you and it pushes this to you. You don't even have to log into that spot. You know, you can get a notification of insights. And that's really where AI um, has a big role to play. And we think that's the future of AI. Got it. So that makes a lot of sense. So from sort of in this pool paradigm, search is sort of the best interface uh, or best user experience for that. It encourages um, encourages people to ask a lot of questions, and it's sort of a very natural way to express questions. So, so ThoughtSpot sort of is is sort of checks out checks that box amazingly well. But then thinking about this next paradigm of push, uh, sort of push insights. That's where uh, Spot IQ uh, comes in, um, and. I mean, as a, you know, if I think about like sort of the future, sort of like, you know, watching like a sci-fi movie like Minority Report or something like certainly, you know, this notion of having a, you know, call it an assistant maybe that is um, alerting you of interesting insights as they happen. Um, that obviously seems like the holy grail. Um, like what is the most challenging aspect of, of building a product like spot iq which can deliver sort of push insights yeah it's a great question um so uh, there are several things and if you you know if you look at um spot iq or or, or any kind of um ai system uh that attempts to do this type of a thing um there are two things that are necessary to be able to build these types of systems right um, one is you need a lot of training data. You know, these you know you can have all the fanciest algorithm in the world in the back end, but uh, unless you have really good real life um, personalized training data, um, the system cannot be smart, right? Um, the second thing is you need extremely fast, powerful compute engine, right? You know, especially in this world of uh, heavy duty analytics uh, where it's very very uh, compute intensive, um, you need an extremely powerful engine to be able to crank out thousands and thousands of queries in real time. So those are two important ingredients um, to build a successful system like this, right? And so the first one on um, training data, and uh, the advantage we have is the search interface actually provides uh, a means to collect information about users. Um, so with every keystroke in the search bar, every interaction that you do in the ThoughtSpot system is recorded and we know the identity of the user, we know what groups they belong to and so on. And so we build up uh, you know, a lot of um, knowledge about the user, about the kinds of things that uh, the user is um, interested in, uh, the, the patterns of uh, questions they ask. Um, the kind of things that they look at in combination. And we also have um, the luxury of uh, knowing everything about the data because we um, you know, uh, load all the data into memory. We, we, 
basically have uh, you know access to everything you know we um, index the metadata we extract a lot of information about the metadata we index all the data so we have a lot of information about the data you know cardinalities and and, and so on we and we also have very intimate understanding of relationships between uh, between data um so um so we have uh, that that important ingredient that you need to to build a, a, a system like this um now um uh, the reason that's even more important is um you know in these types of systems personalization is very important so you know uh, an insight that you push to a particular person who's a you know west coast salesperson in charge of selling socks uh, is very different from what you push to uh, somebody in EMEA who's in accounting or something else right so you know personalization is extremely important right so it's even more important to have good training data on an individual personalized basis um so that's an important ingredient that's without that you know it's very difficult to build these types of systems um the second thing is the um compute power and that again we've got a very very high performance highly scalable uh data platform that we have spent six years building um where you can um the system can analyze you know literally thousands of queries in seconds to come up with uh, insights that, uh, that that are pushed to you so i think those are the two biggest um challenges in building these types of systems um and um and i think uh, that it, it actually gives us um a unique advantage over many people who are attempting to do this Okay, got it. So you called out uh, training data, number one, and number two is sort of the speed of the compute engine. Um, I'm also glad you brought up personalization. I, you know, as I think about what makes a sort of a holy grail uh, in sort of business intelligence platform, it seems to me that personalization is critical to that, right? Especially if you think about from a, this notion of pushing insights. Well, you know, obviously if you are pushing insights, the sort of the signal to noise ratio of those, of that push needs to be really high. Otherwise it's just sort of noise that you're, you're broadcasting to, to the user. How is, how do you guys sort of think about personalization? I mean, do you look to consumer products uh, that have done personalization well? Or like, how do you, is it, is it based on sort of feedback from users? Um, like, can you walk me through how you sort of develop personalization and, and sort of measure how good it is? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, uh, first of all, I think the personalization is critical. Um, you know, and particularly, as you said, in the push model, right? So if, if I get, um, a, a notification on my phone, um, about some business event, um, I, you know, in the middle of a meeting, I mean, that, that thing better be important, right? So, um, mm-hmm. the push mode, um, it's super, super important. It's one thing if you're on the desktop and you're, sort of browsing through a feed or something and you know eight out of ten things are not relevant that's that's okay i mean relatively but if you're pushing insights to people on their devices and interrupting their um their whatever that they're doing um it has to be a really really high quality 
Um, and uh, and and uh, part of that quality is really personalization. You know, it it should be something that is very very relevant to me. Um, and uh, one of the luxuries that we have in our system, unlike many consumer products out there, or consumer um, um, platforms out there, um, is we know the identity of the user fully, right? Uh, these are enterprise systems, you know, we know who the logged in user is, we know what groups they belong to, mm. we know what permissions they have, um, we know, you know, are they administrators, you know, are they uh, consumers, um, we know all the, you know, role level security rules that apply for them, because a lot of times uh, there are slices of data that different people have access to, so we have knowledge of that. Uh, the, whole, the whole hierarchy of uh, of groups and the relationships between the groups uh, we have access to. We know um, their activity patterns. You know how often they log in. You know where do they what do they do? Are they predominantly you know pin dashboard consumers or are they actually a lot of do they do a lot of ad hoc? And um, so so it's a luxury that we have. We have very very intimate knowledge of um, of the users. Um, the identity of the users. So our users are not anonymous users. So um, so we have that luxury, um, and, and so so it, it it allows us to serve up very very personalized results. So if I'm searching on Google, you know, um, and you're searching on Google, you know, Google really doesn't have our identity to really serve us personalized results. Um, whereas here we have that luxury, right? So that's one uh, critical difference between. Uh, between those consumer um, platforms and ours, um, and and like I was saying earlier, um, the uh, we we record every interaction that the user does with the system. We learn from and um, and and so in all our uh, in all our personalizations, we have a hierarchy. You know, it's user, it's group, and it's all. So we first look at you know what you as a user have done in the past. Then we look at uh, what peers in your group have done and and this group could be not just one group but it's more complex because you could be part of multiple groups there could be groups within groups and all that kind of stuff right so we mm -hmm. manage the graph of, um, of of users and groups and so using that we can understand um, uh, relevance if, if something is um, important for your peer in the in, in your in your marketing department then there's a good chance that it's um, relevant for you so so we learn from usage patterns of peers in groups, um, and then the final step is across all groups we learn from uh, from patterns. Right? Um, so um, so that's so that's how we um, we do the uh, we do the personalization. Right? Now uh, there's also some you know qualitative things. Um, you know again that we have the luxury of access to users, where we can go and talk to users. Um, um, at customers and get feedback on the kinds of things that uh, that uh, that's working and not working, and we feed it back into our um, into our algorithms. Now, one um, thing I will call out here is um, the human intervention is very important. You know, in in a lot of these AI systems, um, you know, uh, you know, the, the, you know, it, it cannot all be algorithms and system generated things. The human feedback is extremely important. So, in, in uh, if you look at our Spot IQ product, you'll see um, all those uh, mechanisms built in. You know, from the very basic thumbs up, thumbs down type uh, uh, interaction, where a user could uh, look at a system generated insights and give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down, 
to more fine-grained things like the user saying, you know, I'm really interested in, you know, uh, these sets of um, attributes and, you know, I'm, I care about these metrics and really telling the system, guiding the system and to, uh, to generate more relevant insights, right? Um, so I think the, mm-hmm. in order to do very good personalization, um, the, the feedback loop with the user is extremely important. And oftentimes people tend to forget that and they think everything can be solved with algorithms. But I think that there is no substitute for um, human input and uh, humans um, mm-hmm. guiding the system, right? And training the system. Got it. Yeah, absolutely. I think one insight that uh, I really like that you pointed out is the, that sort of that one difference between um, sort of the enterprise context and a consumer context. Uh, in a consumer context, like if you think about, say, Spotify, right there, they have a one, they have a cold start problem, right? Because they don't necessarily know anything about you. There are some apps that kind of ask you some initial questions during onboarding to at least have some basic understanding of what you might like or dislike. But it's a, you definitely have a huge cold start problem. And the other thing is that you're completely anonymous, right? They don't know anything about you um, that would be useful in terms of being able to cluster you with somebody with somebody else that they've seen um, that they do have a good personalization profile while. But in enterprise, you have, you know, potentially a lot of information as you described, right? What team they're on, what their role is, what organization, et cetera. And uh, I'd imagine potentially some of this uh, insights could even be true across organizations, right? So if you have two, orga- two organizations, which, you know, are in maybe a similar business and there's a, someone who has a similar role, um, has a counterpart essentially within that other organization, maybe there are some insights you could draw between sort of organizations that could even further help sort of uh, bootstrap that users uh, or bootstrap the personalization for a, a new user. Yeah, that's a great point. I think um, we've been thinking about um, how to achieve that um, uh, without obviously compromising on, uh, on uh, you know, um, privacy uh, or security and privacy and so on, right? Sure. Um, sure. How do we extract certain patterns, certain, um, you know, metadata elements and, you uh, Reuse them across uh, across customers. Um, I think that's a that's a that's a great point. It's a tough thing to pull off, um, but it's 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 something that um, can definitely be beneficial. Uh, also, um, particularly in 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 similar domains, you know, if you're if you're specializing in a certain domain, uh, there may be certain types of patterns in, in certain domains that are reusable in across uh, customers. Right. So, uh, how do we extract that out and and templatize it that we can then apply in uh, across organizations. So that's a, that's a great area. Got it. Well, you know, shif- shifting gears a bit, uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about is how does voice or even potentially maybe other forms of interaction, um, I don't know, maybe like, you know, augmented reality or something, like how do those fit into the future of, uh, BI, especially as you think about maybe more of this sort of this push, uh, push insights uh, capability. Yeah. So um, if you if you look at how our search has progressed, um, we started with this, um, you know, a token based approach, you know, where you're typing uh, tokens, so sort of like how you would search on Amazon, right? Um, you know, you say, um, 
you know, shirt, you know, white, uh, 15, whatever, right? You, you, you know, you, you type these tokens and you search. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things um, we've added recently is, is a more natural language way of expressing a search. Um, so if you if you put ThoughtSpot in front of somebody who's never used ThoughtSpot, and if you tell them, hey, this is uh, if this is you know like Google, and it's just search on your data, the natural tendency is to ask a question in a in a very English language like fashion, right? What was my best selling product last quarter, or something like that? Right? And um, so we've added that natural language processing capability, where um, you can interact with the data in a more natural language fashion. Uh, you can you can still do the token based searches, but um, you know this is a new extension where you can uh, it can understand uh, more natural language, um, and so that's been that's been really really good. Um, and once you have that natural language capability, it lends itself very well to voice. So voice um, became a natural extension. We've added voice capability, where you can ask the question instead of typing that question, you can just speak the question. Right um, now. You know, uh, and you know, the voice is, you know, um, everybody is super excited when they see our voice driven natural language demo. And, uh, you know, particularly with smart speakers being popular, uh, there's a lot of mind share out there around uh, um, voice, and everybody's very intrigued by it and the possibilities of voice. Um, and, and um, but I think the, the place where, um, the, the voice works really well, I think, in, in the context of BI, is in mobile. Hmm. So, um, you know, if you look at mobile BI, um, what most vendors have done historically is to take the desktop version and simply stuff it in your mobile device. So you open up your phone and you're browsing lists of dashboards, you open a dashboard and you're scrolling through like 50 charts and you're pinching and zooming, a scatter plot. And you know, sure, really is it? Nobody used that stuff, right? Yeah, and, absolutely. And it was a you know talk of adopt, poor adoption rates. Adoption rates of mobile BI is like extremely low, right? Mm -hmm. um, compounded by you know security and things like that. Um, but we think um, you know the reason mobile BI hasn't taken off is not because there is no value there. It's just that the kinds of solutions people have provided. Don't lend themselves lend themselves very well to what people want to do in mobile, right? So we think um, a voice-driven, natural language type interface with the mobile device for small point insights—that's the sweet spot for mobile. So I, I pick up my phone and I ask. I'm I'm about to walk into a customer meeting. I pick up the phone and I say, um, you know, how many how much did has this customer bought from us last quarter? Boom, I get one number and I walk into the meeting with a number. So that type of use case is where I think the sweet spot for mobile is and the sweet spot for voice in this space is. And that's really what we're investing in. We're, we're building a mobile solution um, with that in mind. And, 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 and along with that, of course, is this push thing that we're talking about, right? Push-based insights, mobile devices. Got it. Yeah, I, I, I love your point around uh, mobile, uh, you know, and, and, and sort of the lack of mobile penetration. I think even if you look at even even if you look at like analytics tools like Google Analytics, I think I mean, they have made significant strides just over the last couple of years in terms of improving the mobile experience around Google Analytics. But still, it's uh, it's it's pretty it's 
it's it's not nearly i think as friendly as it could be and i think a lot of it is just you know they've kind of taken the kind of the desktop experience and kind of just shrunk it down into mobile which i'm not which is great from sort of a power user perspective but i'm not sure how um effective it is from just sort of an everyday kind of simple point questions perspective mm -hmm. um you know one question i know we only have a few minutes left here one thing i wanted to uh ask you about is and, and I think you kind of touched on it a little bit already, but, you know, I was thinking about sort of the last, you know, 10 to 15 years of, of enterprise, you know, these big sort of cloud enterprise companies like Salesforce and PeopleSoft, you know, they've, they've been largely, you know, built over the last 10 or 15 years and have become tremendously successful. And one, and as I think about what's made them successful, it strikes me that uh, they've sort of secured their moat in the organization by becoming like the master of record for data, right, in the organization. So if you then have any workflow, whether it's uh, something that, you know, it's first party developed by one of these companies or sort of third party developer on their platform, it has to sort of, it's basically reading and writing data onto that sort of that master of record. And and so these companies have become just amazing um platforms for sort of in the organization. Now, if you think about like the sort of going forward, like what is the what is the moat of the future? Do you think it still is in the this notion of becoming like the master of record? Uh, or is it is it something else? Well, you know, if you if you look at um, what's happening today with, um, you know, with with um, enterprise systems, um, you know, particularly the transactional systems. Um, you know, you've got um, you've got these these companies that have built a moat around uh, around around their, um, their their system, like you're describing. Uh, but then there are many of these things, right? Each of these things is a silo, right? So um, it's very common today um, to go into an enterprise, and uh, they have. Um, Workday for HR, they have NetSuite for supply chain, they have Salesforce for CRM, they have, uh, you know, 50 other, um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, SaaS offerings. And, and, you know, these transaction systems are going to the cloud big time. Um, so, you know, you've got, and each of them is a silo. And, um, and, and it's sort of in many ways similar to what uh, the problem we had, you know, before the cloud, which was, you know, you would have an on-prem um, supply chain system from SAP and you would have an on-prem financial system from Oracle and you would have on-prem, you know, CRM system from Siebel or whatever. And you had the problems of how do you bring all of these things together? How do you, uh, how do you build workflows that cut across these systems? How do you um, do analytics that cut across the systems? Um, but in some ways, the problems were... Um, maybe uh, more tractable at that time because these are all end of the day on-prem databases. You could write things that pull these things, pull, pull together things from these systems. But today, all of these systems in the cloud, they're all black boxes, you know, mm -hmm. all complete black boxes. And how do you then uh, cut across these different black boxes and, um, you know, build workflows and uh, generate insights, right? And, um, you know, if you if you focus on the insights piece, um, I think the traditional models of uh, you know pulling data from all of these different different systems into one central repository, and then doing analytics on top of that, I think those days um, 
are numbered. I think that's going to be very, very difficult. You know, mm. uh, if you look at um, in the kinds of things people are doing, uh, uh, you know, in, um, in in these systems, I mean, there is just massive volumes of data that people are generating in these systems. Um, so this this historical model of uh, I'm going to just pull together from all these different systems into one place just doesn't work anymore, right? Um, uh, you know, uh, and, and you know the number of these systems is also exploding. I think there's, you know, even in our own small startup, I think the, just the marketing department ha- uses something like thirty-five different tools, <laughs> like all kinds of various different things, right? Um, so I think the, um, you know, the you know, the successful companies in the future, um, you know, are going to be the ones that uh, are able to pull together. Uh, all of these systems understand um, these different systems and um, are able to, um, you know, hold the metadata that across these different systems and how they correlate to each other and stitch it together and so on. Right. That's one. And the other thing I think is 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 important, and I think the the successful companies in the future are the ones that have knowledge of the user. Right. Um, so the ones that um, collect information about users, their usage patterns, uh, knowledge of the user. That is probably the most going to be the ext- most valuable thing. Mm. I was saying, you know, with with AI becoming very important, um, you know, the, um, the the systems that have intimate knowledge of users are the ones um, that have the advantage because end of the day, you know, the, the insights that you generate. Uh, based on AI, um, you cannot be effective if you don't have intimate knowledge of uh, the user for whom you are generating this insight. Right? Um, so, so companies that have, um, you know, um, intimate knowledge of users and their patterns, and companies that can cut across these silos, I think are the ones that are going to be um, super successful. Got it. All right. Uh... Very cool. Thanks uh, so much, Vijay, for your time. I uh, definitely would encourage anyone that's listening to that has it already, that's either thinking about investing in in business intelligence or has already made investments and is looking for uh, sort of what the next generation of BI solutions looks, you know, what what it might look like and how it can help them to go and check out, uh, you know, go to thoughtspot.com. Is there anything else, uh, Vijay, that you'd l- like to like to plug? Um, you know, we have our first uh, user conference coming up. Uh, it's called Beyond. Uh, it's in Washington D.C. and uh, uh, you know it's going to be a big event. Um, so if you want to learn more about us and get demos and meet people and uh, listen to some of the new things we're coming out with, uh, check that out too. Awesome. Okay, great. Well, uh, and. And I assume they can find that information about that on the website. Yeah, it's on our website. Yes. Okay, perfect. All right, Vijay, thanks so much for your time. And um, yeah, we'll look forward to continued exciting news from ThoughtSpot. Thank you, Rishi. Pleasure talking to you.